Hey, this is Noah, voice of Skoga, number one Trandoshan. Thanks for stopping by and giving us a listen. It means a lot to us. Feel free to check out our website at flashfantasypodcast.com. And also be sure to tell your friends about us, even if it means admitting that you're a nerd that likes listening to a Star Wars podcast. I mean, you're in good company here. We've got a pretty good episode cooked up for you, so I won't keep you any longer. Here's the Skeleton Crew. After escaping the Watcher's henchmen, or hench monster, really, the crew has made it off of Coruscant in a brand new starship, an X-70B Phantom Class. With Bog and Drell safely aboard, they make their way through hyperspace, not quite sure where they're going. Drell calls for a meeting in the mess hall and awaits everyone's arrival. Everyone but Popo shows up because Popo is still unconscious and missing a limb. Well, none of us are mechanics, are we? No, we haven't had time. We'll get to that after the meeting. It's on the to-do list. Gordax has been in the mess hall as well. He's preparing a little uh, appetizer dish for them as they t- to munch on while Drell is speaking to them. Some comfort food for Bog, perhaps? Some native food from Chad. Chad food is like cheese puffs, protein powder, <laughs> pizza rolls. <laughs> <laughs> A couple natty lights. <laughs> Your classic Chad cuisine. <laughs> All right, Drell. Well, I'll be the first to admit that was not the best way for us to um leave things on Coruscant. But leave things? Um, yes, leave things. I don't. What think. actually happened? I I was just you know looking down at the planet from up above, and I see all this news coming in all over the place. I leave y'all alone for what two and a half, three hours? And you go off, and there's almost 2,000 people dead. In our defense, we killed zero of those people. That was the giant Watcher monster. Yeah, but no way they had the tally from the Hammerhead frigate crash by then. That, I mean, that was 2,000 probably just from the club in the shipyard. Probably a lot more dead, too. Oh, well, you're really helping your case, Track Trinato. Uh, regardless, it, it turns out that our friend Wes here has some secrets that he has neglected to tell us, like that he is incredibly humongously in debt to one of the most powerful information brokers in the galaxy, and apparently he has access to monsters who do not die when they should. So, in my defense, the debt was strategic. When you say it like you did, it makes it sound way worse than it was, and I had no idea he had unkillable monsters. I wouldn't have done what I did if I knew about the unkillable monsters. Yeah, I've never heard an excuse so foul as strategic debt before, but here's what we're going to do. I owe you a certain sum for doing a job that is yet to be discussed. Why don't y'all give me around 10-15 minutes to finish up my research findings and I will put in our destination. Once that's done, you just drop me off, we say our goodbyes, and you and the crew can be on your merry way and you won't have anything else to do with me and myself, Dr. Drill Bogo Natiris. Also, where's Popo? We'll get to Popo in a second. So we just drop you off and then we go do the job and then we get in touch with you? No, dropping me off is the job. Well, hang on now. I, 
I can't be the only one who's a wee bit curious what you're going to do there, and not to mention, so is Zolaris Naloran. I don't want any more dealings with Miss Naloran. She's got her claws in you. Then, perhaps, Gordax, you should part ways with us now. There is a very simple solution to everybody's problem here. We just have to fake our own deaths, and then Gordax is no longer obligated to whoever... The Watcher won't be coming after Wes anymore. He can just put on like a mustache or something and call himself Guess. Good as new. And also Drell. This is kind of an in for a penny, in for a pound type of situation. I feel like you could have gotten anybody to fly you to your coordinates for less than a billion credits. So like, I don't want to renege on our agreement. Like, you gave us the cash advance, and I'm sure there must be some reason you are willing to pay us so much, and not just to be a taxi service. So, let us help you. We won't have any problems from anybody else. Radio silence. No transmissions going in or out of this ship. Uh, all right, all right. Well, then I'll come full disclosure now before I even get to my findings. I was going to put up a nice presentation and walk you through things after the fact, but I will just say this. There's a possibility that this is a one-way trip. Well, with Skoga driving, that's always a possibility. <laughs> Granted, we have Bog now, but I think that's something we're somewhat familiar with. So, uh, perhaps it's just me speaking, but I'm rather comfortable with that. Bog, who is just sitting in a chair, head in his hands, looks up and he's like, Does that mean we're going to die? Uh, yes, Bog, that is a distinct possibility. Great, let's do it. <laughs> That's the spirit, Bog. I always knew you were one for adventure. Yeah, I'm with Bog on this one. And plus, look at it this way. If we don't die, great time to fake our deaths. Everyone would believe it. All right, then. I'm going to go finish up my research, get the coordinates, and uh, we'll, we'll be on our way. Oh, and to answer your question about Popo, he's missing an arm. Why would that excuse him? Because he's also shut down. He took a rather large hit to the head from... A man made of muscles. And I'm not exaggerating. If you ask me, I think he's just pouting a bit that he let the man get so close to him, but who knows? It could have actually hurt him. I mean, I've, I've always deigned to take everything y'all say with a grain of salt, so all right then, whatever you say. I, I'm going to go finish my research, and uh, five, ten minutes, I'll have them coordinates, and we'll be right on our way. And Drell excuses himself and exits. Ryan, in this small break here we have, is there like a mechanics check or something that Track can do to restore or repair the arm that Popo's missing? You can scrounge up, yeah, like in these 15 minutes, you can spend your time scrounging up different parts and whatnot to craft a new arm for Popo. So which arm was it? Was his left arm or right arm that was thrown and exploded? It was his left arm. Can we, can I propose that I can only find parts for another right arm? So he ends up with two right arms? <laughs> yes. Excellent. <laughs> I will I will be off giving him a hand. Wes, upon Drell standing up to restart his research, Wes is going to lead over to Gordax and he just says, you know, I, I really wish he had done that in a PowerPoint. He's a real wizard with PowerPoint. A presentation would have been something spectacular. Oh, he's, he's going to get that presentation now, I believe. I, he just needs to finish up his... No, uh, he said he's just going to finish his research and tell us where to go. Don't you listen to anything? Very rarely. Yeah, but what? He was going to make a PowerPoint presentation about how we could all die? That would be like one slide. What's the point? 
To be fair, he sounded very excited about it. I want to see this slide, how he would break the news to us that we're all going to die. I have an idea. He could crash a ship into someone you know, their funeral. That, that could be it. He could do that. Look, Bog, I know you're still hurting from your uncle's funeral and everything, but chips on the table. Apparently, Wes was withholding a lot of information about the Watcher from us, and so the Watcher probably knows that you're associated with Wes, and so he would have come for you, and I feel like it's better that we came and got you when we did than for you to be totally blindsided, you know, shot from a sniper rifle a mile away or something, which would have also ruined the funeral if you think about it. Should I be thanking you? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, no, no. You don't have to thank us. I mean, you should be thanking me that I didn't kill anybody when I landed the ship at the funeral. Wow, that one was really shaky for a bit. But what I am saying is, it, it could be a heck of a lot worse. Like, your brain's on the pavement worse. One can only hope. And he gets up and he leaves. <laughs> What's that guy's problem? Wow. I think it's because everyone he knows just died. Well, he knows us. We're still here. Okay, everyone he likes just died. Okay, that's a fair point. Um, Skoga, at this point, you may not have noticed before, but you have a little blip on your comlink. Seems someone left a voicemail. Um, Skoga will answer it, see what's up. It first comes up as just, like, raging static, and then slowly it clears, and it's not static, but it sounds like fires burning and, like, different things popping off, like, uh, blaster packs exploding or whatnot, fuel tanks whizzing off, and you hear, Skoga! Skoga! It's, it's me, Jonathan. I wanted to call you. In my last moment, I got the money. And you got away. I couldn't hold him off, Skoga. I couldn't hold him off. You saw him. He crashed a big old ship into my shipyard. I'm breathing through a hole in my neck, Skoga. Also, he took my legs. He took both of them, <laughs> one after the other, and he used them to beat the shuttle bay doors open. I don't know if you saw that. It was real metal. I was somehow just barely on the edge of consciousness throughout the entire encounter. <laughs> and still awake long enough to send this message. <laughs> after the fact. <laughs> I blacked out for a little bit. But I'm going to use uh, my last breath, Skoga, to transfer that billion credits to the Waska Orphans Fund for any future Trandoshans who lose their parents in freak mining accidents <laughs> and energy cell explosions. <laughs> it's a very specific charity, I know, but there's a need. <laughs> Skoga, just remember... Well, in the face, is a prune. The action goes. And then the message cuts out. <laughs> That's perhaps the greatest death <laughs> commentary message that we've ever received. Janantanen. Rest in peace with whatever pruny god that you believe in. <laughs> the great prune, I don't know. The great prune in the sky? 
You will be missed, Janethanen. And then you hear a little beep. Voicemail deleted. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if oh. I don't delete it now, I'm going to forget, and then the comlink is going to be full of a bunch of different voicemails, you know, and I don't want to sort through that later. No, no. I've etched his words into my heart, the orphanage, and... Um, I, I do have to ask, Skull, though, why would an orphanage with such specific cause come to his mind in his dying moment? Just curious. You know what, Gordax, I'm a little too emotional for this one right now. It's still a little raw, so maybe next time. Maybe, uh, you know, after things have settled down a bit, you know, it's it's a little soon to be getting into all that and my adventures with Janhanthanan. A lot happened between us and those miners. With an E, not an O. <laughs> in, in the mines, yes. I, all, all I'm going to say is many slaves were freed that day, and um, many didn't make it out alive. Many orphans as well. Uh, anywho, so uh, I guess we're just waiting on Drell now. Gring! Hey, everybody! You hear a voice come over the uh, the ship's uh, PA system. I got our coordinates. Um, want me to just put them in, or I'll, I'll forward them to the captain's chair. All right, well, for everybody except for Bog, that's functionally the same as just putting them in yourself, so I guess do as you please. Now, I can see your mouths moving on the feed, but this is a one-way PA system, so I'm just going <laughs> to sign off now. <laughs> um, well, I guess that means we're not going anywhere until Bog decides to put the coordinates in. And then the ship jolts out of hyperspace, and then the, you hear the ship kind of groan and creak as it moves, and then a second later you feel a hum as the ship goes back into hyperspace, having adjusted its course. Well... I, for one, have had an eventful past 24 hours. As great as it would be to continue to catch up and talk about miners, I think I'm going to uh, go get some sleep. And Gordax departs. Wes looks, he looks like he's got a lot in his mind as he slowly pours some rum into a coconut and preps a tiny umbrella. All right, well, we should probably get some sleep. I think Gordax had the right idea. Wes holds out the coconut to Skoga and says, Can I interest you in a nightcap? You know me too well, Wes. Skoga takes it and downs it in one gulp. Burns a little on the way down. Wes milks his a bit longer, but he uh, takes it with him to his room to snooze. So Skoga goes to sleep. Gordax goes to sleep. Wes goes to sleep. Uh, Track finishes this arm, uh, realizing too late that the hand is in the right hand configuration. Can it be the hand and the elbow? The elbow is also pointed outwards. Look, it'll make it really easy for him to scratch his back as a bonus. That's true. And he can attack behind him now really easily. No, it, it's just his hand. So the thumb is on the wrong side. Well, Ryan, before Track also goes to rest, if it'd be all right, I'd like to go to the cockpit and try to speak with Bog for a moment. Yeah, Bog is there. He's got his feet up on the console. It's just like watching a movie on his data pad. And it's a little awkward, but uh, Track walks in, and I'll sit down in the uh, co-pilot chair next to him, and I don't say anything for a couple minutes, and then uh, I turn to him and say, Hey, Bog, I know you haven't known me for long, but I am sorry about what happened, and, uh, well, if there's anything you need that I can help with, let me know. 
I'm here to talk or whatever. You know, um, I lost my uncle earlier, and you know, back on Chad before he became a a senator, he was a, a movie star. This is actually one of his. And he shows you, and it's like a looks like a classic war story movie from a uh, Chad. It's a bunch of charger fun, like storming a beach. And it's like this is a. It's called Saving Private Brian. <laughs> is it a, is it about the Chadrophanese uh, Civil War? Well, one of them. One of the many. It was a long time before we became a peaceful people. So it's just uh, interesting sometimes to think back. But anyhow. And he shuts it off. What are you, uh, what do you need? And um, I guess thank you, I should say. Does that movie start with a storming of Bromaha Beach? <laughs> Bromaha Beach. Really, it's, it's the whole Bormandy invasion. You're all right. It's a. It's all right. I didn't mean to disturb you from it. How far along in the movie were you? Had you just started oh, it? I had just started it. I was watching some news reports before from Coruscant. It was pretty bad. Yeah, we should probably not look at that at the moment. If you don't mind, I've not seen that before. I'll. Do you want to watch it with me? He's just like, yeah, it's. It's not too late. Yeah. Buckle in, track. You're in for quite the ride. And uh. You know, Bog starts the movie over, and you two have a, a pleasant evening. And before Bog switches the ship to autopilot, it's like this should be going for for the rest of the night, so should be good. I'll see you in the morning. And Bog retires before Bog leaves. I mean, so Bog, so whatever happened with uh, Private Brian's uh, girlfriend at the Capitol? Oh, well, I don't know. I I always zone out when it goes to like the uh, old man in the graveyard scenes. It's not really my thing. Well, the letters they had back and forth are really sweet. In any event, it's late. We should go to bed. Yeah, yeah. Well, we should we should watch some more movies sometime, Bog. Hopefully. Unless this is a one-way trip, like Dre was saying. We all gotta go sometime. And Bog just shrugs his shoulders. <laughs> Hopefully it's not the last ride. You never know, do ya? And Bog, Bog exits and goes to his quarters. Trek falls asleep in the co-pilot chair. <laughs> Uh, it's about 3 a.m. when uh, Drell comes into the the cockpit, sees that Drack is asleep. He's like, oh, hello, doggy boy. Let's see what we're doing here. <clears throat> Coordinates are in. Things are looking mighty fine. And I think it's about time we pull ourselves out of hyperspace. No, 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 don't. Not the muffin. Not the muffin. You hear Track muttering in his sleep. Uh, yeah. Blueberry. Blueberry, yes. What an absolutely mundane dream. Any hooges? And uh, Drell sits down in the cockpit chair, and they're in the pilot's chair, and he pulls the ship out of hyperspace. And he's like, no, nah, it's here, so. And Track is probably uh, blinking awake. Wiping the sleep from my eyes. Yeah, it's it's you're still definitely really groggy. This is right in the middle of your sleep. But as you wake up, you see in front of you just the immenseness of space. And then growing from a point in the middle of the viewport is this black diamond that continues to grow larger and larger, just eclipsing these stars until you realize that it's some sort of structure. Drell, what, what is, are we not, what is that? Oh, no worries, tracky boy. Why don't you just go back to sleep? I don't think I can sleep after seeing that. And then it kind of swivels on its uh, middle seam, the two parts lifting away from each other, and there's just this burst of blinding light that grows brighter and brighter, stretching out 
until the ship is just being slowly engulfed. The entire cockpit, like, fading to white before you, and you just see Drell smiling, and he's like, back to sleep, Draggy boy, back to sleep. That's so creepy. Are we the bad guys? Back to sleep, Tracky Boy, as he puts the chloroform rag over his face. <laughs> as he loads his Glock. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone wakes up to the sounds of nature. We hear that one song playing really s- sweetly in the background. I knew exactly what song you were talking about before you started talking. I knew which one it was. Anyways. We're all hearing nature. You hear these nature noises, but you're all still on the ship. It seems the loading ramp is down in the bay. Uh, If anyone gets up and walks around, you notice that you've landed safely on the surface of of a, a lush, verdant world. You're parked on the edge of a cliff, and you just look out and see this massive expanse of a great green valley with towering mountains and hills and waterfalls and Drell and Popo are gone. Skoga comes out of his bunk and he says Wow, I just had the strangest dream. There I was on a beach, my own beach. It was nice. Real nice. I had lawn chairs, the coconuts, the whole nine yards. And then there was this really, like, this, there was this blue dude and he was a real downer, and I was talking with him. It was kind of weird, and, and a, a little off-putting. The guy seemed like he needed a friend, but... Skoga, how many times do I need to tell you? you? You must have gotten into the ice cream again before you went to bed. Do not eat dairy more than an hour before going to bed. It messes with your sleep cycles. I, I know you've told me that before, Gordax, but, you know, I just can't resist. I honestly probably shouldn't even eat dairy at all. Well, you know what they say. Dairy gives you the runs and the brains and the bowels. I must be a charger, chadrafarch <laughs> saying. <laughs> Wes just looks at Bog with a quizzical expression. <laughs> well, they, they say it on Chad. I'm sure they do. So, anyway, um, is, uh, we seem to be on a pretty nice planet right here. I wouldn't mind settling down. Yes, did anyone happen to see where, um, Drell went? I've taken a look around the ship, but I can't find him. Popo, now, you were messing with him last night, weren't you? Track, did did he wake up? Track's groggily standing in the doorway, acting confused, and... No, I don't recall Popo waking up. I fixed his arm, mostly. I watched a movie with Bog, and then... Fell asleep and I had some dream about muffins and drell. Something about like a a large floating blueberry diamond or something. I don't remember entirely. Sounds like you all had ice cream party when I went to bed. Thanks for inviting me, everyone. And he, he goes to kind of walk off the ship, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so we're they're missing, both of them? Yeah. And the ship's landed? Yeah. Drell must have done it while we were all sleeping. Where are we? I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to access a computer pad and try to see if the ship has any idea on the coordinates of where we are at, or if like a, a label on the planet. There is no triangulatory data available. There is no way to reach the holonet. You're cut off from all outside systems and sources. Our ship has no idea where we are. This is bad. Yeah, at least the muscle monster can't get us, I suppose. I mean, that's one way you could look at it, but at least we're not dead. Well, let's see where we are. 
Is anyone interested in mimosa before we head out? No. <laughs> Bog leaves. <laughs> Skoga whispers to Wes, I'll take Bogs if he's not having it. Outside, Gordax, Track, and Bog are looking around. Like I said, it's just this verdant, vibrant, life-filled world all around you. And it's strange. The sun is hot and the air is moist and thick. It's humid for sure. And maybe uh, as a boffin, Track may be panting quite a bit. Of Bog is having a hard time too and all his fur. Thankfully, I don't have my winter coat because I was on that beach for so long. But uh, <laughs> it is still uncomfortable. You see that Wes has committed the great sin and has actually unbuttoned his waistcoat. And uh, the rest of the crew crucifies him <laughs> on the spot for committing the great sin. Skoga's loving it. He feels great. He feels awesome. As Skoga's actually walking off the ship, Gordax yells back to him, Oh, Skoga, I imagine this is what your whole world's like. At least uh, this is how I felt it when we were in that weird forest dream thing. Yeah, this place is actually a little dry for my taste, but, you know, it will do. Does it make your scales all chalky and cracked? Yeah, I mean, it's a heck of a lot better than Coruscant, or, and, and definitely better than Ilum. Uh, that place was a nightmare. That place was terrible. Ice caves? What would we even eat there? Like freaking tubers or something. Like crap that comes out of the ground. No, no, this is great. I bet you there's some awesome hunting spots nearby. Now, 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 before we get ahead of ourselves exploring this admittedly pleasant planet, uh, we should find where our good companions Drell and Popo have wandered off to. Now, uh, let me take a look around here. And Gordax is going to look for any signs around the ship of footprints or moved shrubbery, things that'll indicate where they went. Honestly, there aren't any. I'm not even going to require a check. And as you even walk around, whatever bits of nature you disturb, whether through your heavy footprints or like snapping a twig off of a branch, things just like revert back to their proper natural place. Okay, that's not creepy at all. So any trail that might have been made is now, you know, grown over and back to how it was before. And, and as he's looking around, is there any, like, defining landmark in any of the directions, like a cliff face or a large... Yeah, you're on the edge of a cliff, kind of like a little plateau, and there are larger cliffs just behind you. There seem to be some alcoves there, maybe even a cave. And as Gordax is looking around, you spy an individual picking something from one of the trees. Uh, excuse me, Drell, is that you? And... She looks over at you, and she is, one, incredibly startled. She looks human-ish, but she's kind of bathed in this golden, greenish light. It's hard to make out her features quite distinctly, and her voice is quite ethereal as she seems to almost float over to you. And she says, this, this is wrong. You should not be here. You were not summoned. I'm sorry. I didn't have much say in the matter. Who are you? Why are you here? Well, and he just kind of points back towards the group and the ship. We came by means of that. Admittedly, I did not see the planet as we arrived, but we're here with a man, a scientist, actually, who is studying artifacts of a nature, and uh, we believe I probably this planet has something to do with that. So um, that, that's why we're here, because the ship took us here, led by this man. Well, it is already growing late. You have come at a most inopportune time. Noted. Well, th in that case, it's all the more expedient that we find our friend and 
do whatever it is needed to do. You didn't happen to see anyone else, have you? No, this is strange. You must come with me. How many of you are there? Hmm, well, let's see. There's me, Wes, Goga, there's Track, and Bog, and then there's two more. But uh, with us here, there's five. How strange. You will come with me immediately, but... And she looks up at the sky, which is a little dim at this point, so you you guess that it's maybe the afternoon, evening, maybe 5 or 6 p.m., going by Earth times at least, and Coruscant times. And she's like, no, it's much too late. We may not even make it. You must come with me. You, I will take you to see Father. Uh, all right, all right. I, interesting name, but I, yes, we, um, let, let me go gather these, these here with me. Um, and he just kind of waves his big hands up in the air. Hey, Skoga, West Track, Bog, over here. What do you want? Bog yells without looking or coming over. I, I found someone. Wes is interested enough to go. You all need to come quickly, I believe. This person can explain. There's a good reason we need to go, but you should all perhaps come quickly. All right, we'll be right over. And Skoga downs the last of the mimosas and heads over. Waste not, want not. Track will follow. Wes will also go. You all are then beholden to the figure. And she says, this is all of you then. Yep. No sense waiting around, then, if you ask me. Well, then hurry. There isn't much time. And she starts floating away through this little grove toward um, the edge of the plateau, where it seems a a little uh, path runs along the side of the cliff. We follow. Got to keep up with the, the floaty lady. You all have to kind of briskly jog to keep up with the floaty lady. Bog's in more of like a just straight run. Bog! I don't, as he's running, I don't know if this is demeaning to your kind at all, but would you like me to carry you at all? It could get a bit steep up here. No, it's okay. And so as long as it's it's not, like, over a long distance. We Chadrafan are natural sprinters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. We press on. You carry on through these cliffs until you reach another plateau, similar to the one you landed on. Again, large cliffs. Um, on one side and a huge drop off on the other. But before you make it to the opposite side where another cliffside path would take you further, this figure stops and she says, No, it's already too late. I'm sorry. Find shelter. And then she like curls up in a ball on the ground and this light just kind of fades as her body becomes just a pile of leaves. Well, that was foreboding. And then a tiny hummingbird, like, breaks out of the leaves and then just flies off and away. Yeah, well, all right, look, guys, the sun is going down. And unless you can see things in the dark, like a Trandoshan, I think it's best if we find maybe a cave or something to stay for the night. Skull's going to look around, um, see if there are any caves or openings and any rock formations nearby. Right by you, you do see a nearby outcropping. There, it's not so much a cave, just a small alcove. It may fit all of you, but you do notice as shadow starts to overtake the plateau, you know, coming toward you from the opposite side, it's accompanied by rain. Each droplet scorching the ground as night arrives, and the world dies. As the shadow takes over the plateau, 
and the rain comes down. Trees and foliage wither and fall to pieces. Bark strips off of trees until all that's left are ghostly glowing shells. The ground dries up and cracks open as grass turns yellow, then brown, then black, as it shrinks into nothing but ash. That outcropping's looking pretty good. Yes, we should definitely get under there. Gordex is already booking it, shaking the ground as he goes. Yeah, Wes is moving too. As you reach this outcropping, there's barely enough room for three of you. So the darkness and the rain have overcome you. And though you're all huddled close together, standing under this rocky breach above you, your arms, your legs sometimes get uh, pelted by this scorching rain. It's going to be a long night if you don't find better shelter. Okay, when you say scorching rain, are you mean like, is it hot and burning things? I thought it was making things wither. Are we withering? No, it's it's burning you. Is there like, is it just like dirt on the ground or? Okay, we could try digging a hole. It's just dry, cracked earth. We can either make this bigger. Um, maybe some those who are in here start doing that, and then we could uh, can we make a perception check to see if we find something better in the area? Yeah, do a two difficulty perception. You'll have a setback because the the conditions of the weather. So being a Bothan, I have very good perception. And I got four successes and an advantage. I find an umbrella stand. (laughs) If you're willing to brave the rain, it seems, you know, just along the ridgeline, there is a sizable cave entrance. Trek's just going to point at it, say, I see something over there, and I'm just going to make a sprint for it right now before the rain gets worse. Skoga will follow after him. He'll put, like, his, uh... His cloak, his big hunter's, like, Wookiee fur cloak on top of him, you know, like you do when you, like, put a jacket on top of you in the rain. And he'll run after track. Bog will follow suit. And seeing this party leaving, Gordax looks over at Wes and just says, Here, Wes, take this. And he kind of hands over his large, thickly padded leather jacket that he wears. It's more kind of a vest that he's wearing. Uh, my skin's a bit thicker than yours. I presume it'll handle this rain a bit more durably. And then after giving you his jacket, he takes off. All right. Uh, Wes, yeah, Wes will take the jacket and he'll carefully put himself underneath, keeping sure to make it so the minimum amount of his clothing will be hit by this. It's a very heavy jacket, you know, because it's meant for a large basilisk. So, Oh, there's four arms, too. <laughs> so, yeah, he's going he's gonna to kind of drape this over him and he'll make the sprint. You all get over without any, like, permanent injury, but it takes a toll on you nonetheless. So everyone that went through the rain, which is all of you, uh, suffers four strain. As you enter the cave, there isn't much inside here. There's some dry wood. There's some scant plant life barely clinging on to existence, growing up through cracks in the stone. And the cave seems to stretch on into a dark black abyss far beyond. You can't tell exactly how far down it goes. And Bog, at least, is looking around. He's like, I'm not too keen on spelunking, so I'm gonna... I say we call it right here. Um, yeah, that's a good idea. Should we set up, like, some rotational watches just so that nothing comes out of the cave to come eat us or something? I've been in plenty of these caves, and there's always, like, a rancor or a snake or something that just likes to hang out in there. You never know. Yeah, we could do it. 
she, she mentioned this before you all came back, but she did say something about another being who she wanted to take us to. She called him Father, but I don't know if that's just some weird slang name that they call the person by, or... I don't know. But either way, we were going in the direction of another group of people. Did we have any landmarks to kind of, like, help us find that direction tomorrow? I mean, there's only two paths going off of this plateau, the one you came in on and the one that she was leading you to. So once back outside, you should be able to find it relatively easily, but right now, at least, you're kind of in a jam for the night. I'll take the first watch. I'll take the second. I've got the midnight shift. Ah, Wes, you need your beauty sleep, so uh, I'll take the one after Skoga, and then you can take the last one. You don't have to tell me twice. And Wes uh, lays down, places a cooling eye pack over his eyes to make sure he doesn't have any bags in the morning. And Gordax also just raises himself for bed. He rolls up the heavy jacket that he had given Wes and lays down on it. Skoga will eat a bit of beef jerky that he keeps in his fanny pack. But pardon my British. Um, they don't... It's the word fanny. You know, that's... Uh, Pardon your British. <laughs> my bum bag, um, if you're from Britain. <laughs> and yeah, he nods off. As the night stretches on, Track tries his very utmost best to stay awake for more than 30 minutes, but you feel a relentless sleep pounding at your mind as you slip further and further into unconsciousness. It's not anything insidious. It's just the fact that you got like an hour of sleep last night. <laughs> <laughs> Or is it? <laughs> that sucks. I'm bad at taking watch, I guess. Sorry, guys. So if I fall asleep, that means that I'm not waking up to get my replacement watch, which means do we all just sleep unprotected? Yes. Excellent. As the night goes on, strange happenings 